Oh, Yahweh. The opportunity to again be in your watch, in your time, to be about your business, to share your truth, your knowledge, and wisdom. Any that has an ear to let them hear the words, but listen to the message. Father, help me to be a stronger warrior, to be in this, in this spiritual battle that I know that I'm in. To make sure that, Father, I fight the good fight, run the good race, and keep my focus on the fact that you are my Lord, my God, my sovereign, not to be distracted by these things that go on around us. He wants me to be distracted, just want my focus to be on you, Father God. But you are the center. You are the, the Father God. And it is because of your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom you can do this and be about your business. And because of you, Father, that you, you want me to draw others. And I am an ambassador for the kingdom, Father God. That if you have made me and my salvation by your grace, Father God, an ambassador to share that so that others would have an opportunity. Abba Yahweh Aman, Shuaman, Bakritos Aman. So that being a little bit different than, than how I usually am in the morning because I'm, I'm realizing that the enemy really wants to come in hard. And um, I believe the reason is that he knows that that uh, he has, uh, his time is not, uh, his time is not long. Meaning that he's going to be done for. And so he wants to get and have as many people distracted by things as they possibly can. I was, um, speaking of distraction, I was, uh, I was watching a film um, yeah I like movies uh, I don't have a television and all that other stuff but I'm able to do uh, I can I can view, view movies and films and I was watching one I, I've always wanted to see it because I happened to live for a long time along the San Andreas Fault for many years and so I'm familiar with that so I, I wanted to see the movie and um, you know I got to thinking while I was watching and thinking about how man mammon and the drive for that money that lust for that idle money has become has driven the arrogance of man and mammon to be so huge and seeing all these things that, what are we driven for all this for? Why do you have to have a skyscraper that is taller than anyone else? Why does your, why does your country, leaders, kings, presidents, why does your country have to be the one that is representative to all that lustful drive? And thinking about it, while watching the film, actually, because I was thinking of the destruction and everything. Everybody, everybody, uh, well, not everyone, but that's 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 a generality, not not deserved. But so many 
want to turn and shake their fists at God for allowing all these things to happen and it's God's fault. So they want to start assessing blame instead of being responsible and accepting and putting the blame where it belongs. Why are you so caught up with having to live out in the wilds and have all this beautiful country and then you complain about the animals that come around and you demand that they be destroyed because they're... they're um, they're in your yard, in your neighborhood. Well, wait a second. The thing that drives me about that, and, and part of it is my heritage, part of it was where I lived for a number of years. I lived in the mountains. I used to walk with the animals. I walked with the bears. I walked amongst mountain lions and those other creatures that were out there. None of them bothered me. None of them bothered me. I And I mean close by. They weren't concerned about me. I wasn't so concerned about them. I had to leave all that sittiness behind and be able to learn to dwell and be around them so that they didn't bother me. And they knew when I wasn't there to pester them, oh, well, he he's just one of us. I don't smell like them. But then they learned something else. That part of my job when I lived up there, I was to protect them. And yes, they learned that. Just like I've shared with you these marine biologists that befriend a 14-foot female tiger shark, the most aggressive fish in the ocean. Above the great white, they are most man-aggressive of any of the shark species. And this 14-foot female befriended a marine biologist because she needed help. And he helped her. She remembered, and for 12 years, 14 years, 16 years, I can't remember exactly the number, I'll have to look it up again. But for all that time, whenever he was in the ocean, whenever he was diving anywhere on an expedition that was remotely close to where she might have been, she knew he was in the water. She would come and find him. And the other drivers, he would, uh, other divers that were with him, they, because they were in a diving group, and he was diving with other biologists and spending time with them, he had to keep them calm and, and just let them know that it was okay. Because if you can imagine this, uh, 14 feet, that's pretty long. I'm sitting at my desk, and I, you got to remember that, that the uh, average ceiling height and most rooms is eight feet. And you can stand there and just kind of look up at your ceiling. You realize that's eight feet. And then you got to go another six feet beyond that. That's a, that's a pretty large creature. But she would come to him and it was almost like a, a large kitten or a large cat. She would just come up. She'd, she'd come to him and she knew it was him. She recognized him. And he knew it was her because there's certain markings that they have that make them very that are very characteristic to a particular creature, and they can be identified. That's how marine biologists track them in the, to begin with. But it's the arrogance of man is the point that I'm I'm coming to and getting to. <clears throat> And in watching this film, I, I just was observing all of this. And it gets pretty, you know, a lot of things you see, okay, that's pretty fantastical because it's a movie. You know, but thinking about it, I used to live 
in those areas and around that fault line. And I know what the earthquakes are. I've been in some pretty powerful ones. In the film, they were talking about a nine something. I've actually been through a, a 7.8, 7.9. It was heading on up into that end of the spectrum. And it was pretty rough. And I can remember standing with my earthly father. We were outside in our yard and being able to see the movement of the land was, it was as if somebody had dropped a big pebble in our pond and the ripples on the ground were, it, it was, it was crazy. There were ripples and, you know, my father distracted me from being afraid and, and we were kind of having fun because he was on and, and the, the movement would come through and put him up and I'd be down and then we'd trade places and it was almost, and that lasted for a good several minutes. But rather than being afraid, I was with my, he, he calmed me down. But what we many times will do is we're so distracted by all this that instead of being instead of being focused on our Lord, our sovereign God, and knowing that he is with us in everything that goes on, not just the geographical locations, but he's always with, then we want to shake our fists and be angry with him and totally forget that. And then we want to start assessing all the damage and everything. And why would God allow that? Wait a second, hold on, just... Back up and hold on a minute. It's like those people that go out into these wild lands where I lived and I protected and I moved around these animals. They move so far out and they push themselves into this that used to be their land. And then they build so much because there's no room in the cities. And there's so much room in the cities. And then because we continue building, there's only so much room. And you build farther out. And then you declare, because you've taken that land, you've stolen that land, basically, and developers that really don't hold title to it claim that, oh yeah, it's okay, and they get the permits and all that, and they're allowed to go out there and build, and then you complain that the animals that were going there and had migrated through there and used to hunt there and feed there and eat there and live there and sleep there and raise their young there, and now because you happen to be living where they used to live and because they happened to come, they hadn't been there in a while since all that was being built and all that hubbub and noise and the tractors and the loud noise sort of drove them away, and now it's come down and it isn't so much city-like, which is a reason you built so far out there to get away from that hustle and bustle of the city. And you took it out there, but you don't allow that to come up to such a din, but you still drove them away. But now they're, they're coming back. And because you put your garbage that you create and all those things out to where it's easily accessible and... and Let's be honest, we waste so much food, we waste so much. This country, this nation, as many are, but this nation in particular, is such a gluttonous nation. We have to have the most, the best of everything, and we then we throw things away. And I sat there and I was, my nephew I hadn't seen for a long time took me to a relative that 
that he had discovered that I didn't even know existed. And we went, we had dinner and, and, and looking around the waste that goes on that we just, eh, just, I'll eat. I, I was just, I'm flabbergasted. But my point coming back to this is that you put all that stuff out there and now they don't have to go find it because you're making it readily available. And then you complain because they come to get what's now made very easy for them. And you've actually diminished the character of their lives because they used to have to hunt and prowl for it. Now they don't have to because you make it easier. And then you gripe and complain to the rangers and everybody else. And these these animals are now, they're oh, they're rogue. I don't want them to eat my dog. I don't want to, wait a second. You got to remember something that we're, <laughs> here's a biological explosion for you. We're not the apex. We are members of the animal kingdom. And you would know that if you had paid attention to biology, um, We are members of the animal kingdom. That is true. You might not like it, just like there are many um, label heads and self-proclaimed Christians that don't like to be compared to a sheep, but we are. And you are, like it or not, a member of the animal kingdom, which means that you are, whether you like it or not, in the food chain. Oh, there's an enlightening aspect of our lives yeah you're in the food chain so if you are out in the ocean <coughs> and pardon me and you're where you shouldn't be and you're doing something that you shouldn't be and you have a sea creature that comes and eats you it doesn't make them a rogue and now they have a taste for human blood here's an enlightening aspect of that You taste like food. They don't. They are not going to bite something and say, oh, "Wait a second, that doesn't taste like a fur seal. That tastes like a human." I like human blood. Oh yeah, I like human a lot better. You're just a morsel of food, like it or not, and that's a harsh reality of truth. Hello, you go out in this woodlands out there and you put that stuff out there, and now you're complaining because the animals, you don't want them to become rogue and possibly eat your dog that you put out in the middle of the night, and you don't take it out on a leash. You just put it out in the yard, or you just put it out the front door and let it run up and down this roadway that you have these animals that used to live out there before you ran them all off. And then they come and they eat your little fifi or foo-foo or whatever it is. Or, you know, you just let your cat run around out there not realizing or thinking that, wait a minute, we're on the edge of wilderness because we forced these developers to put our homes out here. Oh, it's a rogue. It's, yes, it's gone rogue. It's 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 going to come in and take everything we have and, and we want it to... And then you have the, the housing association or whatever and they complain about this animal that used to live out there for who knows how long before man and mammon came in their drive for having to have everything. Their lust for having to be where they shouldn't be has driven them to be there and get have homes built out there. And now they want these creatures that lived there for so long to be destroyed because they're rogue and we think that they're going to eat all of our cats and dogs and maybe even attack our children. 
Why? Because you think that you're out there and now you don't have to, and your children and these things, you don't have to pay attention to them because you're not living in the city. You're living a countryfied life and you have no idea how to do it. But you think simply because you moved out there that it's supposed to develop and change around you. The point that I'm trying to, hopefully, and I might be making a mess of it, um, but we become so caught up and we forget, we forget things. We forget that God is centered and God has everything. And we forget that God is supposed to be centered, Christ-centered life, and that it's all about that. And we just want so much more. We want, we want, we want, we want. And then we build it and we shake our fists at God when these things happen. And watching that film, all this stuff happened. But the thing that was replaying in my head is, is the arrogance of man. In and around and along that that part of that fault line, the tectonic plates, the way they are, that that uh, geologists can describe it, but they move and they shift because of the movement of the Earth. But somehow that becomes not man's fault for building right on top of all this stuff. Oh, that's not man's fault. That's got to be God allowing this to happen. Why is God allowing? Wait a second. Why did you build something? that you shouldn't have built to begin with, and why did you put it right in some place where it shouldn't be basically in harm's way? That's like putting a playground in the middle of a busy interstate. Why would you do something like that? And yet it happens. I was another aspect of this where they had... Um, They, they were, there was a neighborhood and there was an issue that had come up because they had no playground. They had no place to be able to go to anything and all. They were just kind of confined there. And then they brought this up to the city planners and then the city planners said, oh yeah, we can, we can do something about that. Here, we'll build you a park for the kids. And then what did they do? They put the park someplace where the kids had to walk through dangerous areas to be. And the only way to get there was if the children wanted to go and play there, they had to cross a freeway. Well, guess what? They built the park, but they didn't, there was no way for the kids to get there. So they had to cross the freeway with no pedestrian way and no way to get there. What is the point that I'm making? The point that I'm making is the arrogant attitude of man and then they want to put the onus on everyone else or on someone else or they decide that they want to make God responsible for their arrogance 
and the misstep and the and the falling down. It's somehow it's God's fault that these places where they build and live and reside where they shouldn't be and they disregard their stewardship of taking care of anything, but then they want to blame everything on everything else and not accept the responsibility. So the onus then becomes this rogue creature's fault and they must be destroyed. And you have examples of this. And I was reading these articles and knowing, as I said, I lived out there amongst them. I took care of them and I used to walk through the woods with them. Years I spent with these wild animals coming to no harm. They knew that I was there for another purpose and that it wasn't coming to bother them, to molest them, and they didn't hunt me down for food. They weren't hiding behind the next tree, to which incidentally, let me be very truthful and honest about this. I used to think that when I went out there, so I, was, I had that city mentality in my head. <coughs> Because, quite honestly, you go in the city and you have people that are looking to get what doesn't belong to them in any way they can. And if that means mugging someone else, sadly, they do that. So I had this mentality that these animals were going to be lying in wait at every turn and every chance they had. And they were going to take me out. And that's the way they hunted. Well, it, it doesn't exactly work that way. So then I researched and I studied and, and went back to biology, actually, and, and learned a lot of things. They don't hide behind everything out there looking for you, even when they're hungry. They don't, quite honestly, they don't like man. Because man is loud, obnoxious, arrogant, and makes way too much noise. And... I can remember when these people were out there doing what they shouldn't be doing and being where they shouldn't be doing and acting the way they shouldn't be acting. And then they became wounded. And these animals that had been for such a long time, they were hunters. And they smelled an opportunity. And then these people cried out that they were rogue because they had been attacked. Oh, I, that man, that woman, they were attacked. They shouldn't have been. That's a rogue that's a rogue. It needs to be destroyed. Um, no, the people were wrong and they became wounded and the animal was hungry and hunting for food. And so they're becoming, and so that blood, the animal could smell it. And they can, they can smell blood from a very long ways away. And they smelt an opportunity to feed. And then you go out there and you, again, don't do what you're supposed to do. You're not acting the way you're supposed to be because you're a city person. But somehow it becomes the animal's fault that you are doing all these things and creating all these missteps and now the animal is rogue, so it has to be destroyed. And then they got all these rangers all caught up in all this stuff because you're making a louder noise than the animal was when it tried to warn you, but you didn't listen to that. And so now these folks come out there and they hunt this animal down that's only doing what comes naturally to it and that it's done for decades 
before man and mammon got pushed into their environment and stole their land from them, as we so often do. We want to take things that don't belong to us and then push the responsibility on someone else. So these earthquakes happen, places get, and somehow it's all God's fault that all this takes place. Wait a second. You were the one who arrogantly built, and my goodness gracious, you look at places like New Orleans and San Francisco and, and places where you're building It's pretty ridiculous. And somehow it then becomes God's fault. And it's God's responsibility. And how is that? And speaking of that, I'm going to go over here because I was looking for this actually while I was sharing with you. And I'm going to share something that we can find in regards to that. And it comes to the book of the prophets. And the word of God is always truthful and always honest. And some people have a hard time with truth and honesty. And they have this pharisaical attitude as the Pharisees had. So we're going to go to Isaiah, actually, the book of Isaiah, a very powerful prophet. And we're going to find in Isaiah 5, 8. And I'm actually going to share with you and I'm going to read 8 through 12. Because this is, this is, uh, this is exactly how we are. This is exactly how we are today. And this is exactly what happens. And when we go through this, how we're always crying out and it's always someone else's fault or something else's fault. And this is what I was watching this film and I was watching the buildings, how close they were into everything, how close they were to one another and built right on top of these faults. And when the earth shifts and moves and these buildings collapse, that somehow it's not their fault. Well, wait a second. Why did you have to build it so high when you know that in a certain area that this happens, but you're still going to go, oh, I'll make it earthquake proof. Well, that's what they used to try to talk about. when I, Even when I was a child, the earthquakes were so frequent. <clears throat> and the school that I was going to, they took us out of it being a school because it wasn't earthquake proof from all these sound minded engineers and the city. And, and then they had all these people that came and moved into the area after everyone that had been living there for so long and dealing with all this stuff. And there was never an issue, but then you had all these newcomers come in and they start making all this loud noise. Well, the city council and all these folks, they, they listened to the loud squeaking wheel and so then they closed the school down and then they 
came and did all this refitting and all this stuff to, to make it earthquake proof. Well, first of all, understand this. There is no such thing. Um, just like when you wear weatherproof clothing, it's not weatherproof. It's just very staunchly resistant. But if you are in a strong enough wind and a strong enough weather, you're going to get wet and you're going to get cold. Just period. Man can't make things <laughs> to keep that from happening. So they build this structure and then they put a different school into it that, that's a private school that you have to pay to become, uh, you have to pay a tuition to be in it. Well, that's okay, but it can't be a public school because somehow or another students that go to a private school and pay the tuition for it, that's different than this. Now the city doesn't have to be responsible. It's somebody else's responsibility to make sure that those students are taken care of. It's ridiculous how we shift that from one place to another instead of remembering everything that God teaches and tells us. And yet we have to remember something in, in my reading and saying this. That God reminds us of things. But let me get over here to this, where what I'm going to read with you, uh, share with you in the book of Isaiah, because this is very important. And this is exactly how we are being today. Today, we are doing and acting the very same way. Isaiah 5, 8 through 12. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, so there is no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Oh my goodness gracious. Have you ever heard of a thing called zero property line? I actually had an acquaintance and his wife, a friend and his wife. They moved into this place and they were so, they were so proud of where they lived and what they had done and what they were able to do after living in such a, what they considered a hovel. And so they invited us for this really nice barbecue. And we went to their house and it was really interesting. And then when I was using the guest bathroom, I looked up and I happened to see that there was the neighbor, a man who was almost mirror image and I was, thinking to myself, I said, oh my goodness, and realized that this person was in their bathroom and he was using, as I was, just face it, men stand up to urinate in most cases. And he was in his restroom and I looked up, so <laughs> kind of silly, I waved at him and he raised his hand and waved at me and and just kind of shrugged his shoulders and and finished washing my hands and returned to the barbecue into the yard. And so I then struck up a conversation with my friend and, and he explained to me, he says, yeah, we have a zero property line. So the side of their house is the property line for where his began, but they had some kind of a developmental issue going on and where they allowed them to build a 
a fence so that there was a, a more of a little grass alleyway right there so that you were not actually attaching or it was a structural thing. But what that means is that the side of their garage or their fence line on one side of the house is your property line. And then the rest of it, you can build a yard and all this. And, and uh, <coughs> then you go to the other side of the house and it's the same thing. The side of the garage is the property line for the other person's house. And then they can establish a fence line around it. But you, you are essentially almost planting your building, your, your house in their yard. So part of the structure is the property. It says, so woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. And people are pushing out into the wilds and building these subdivisions in their homes and they're chasing the, the wild things that used to live there away. And then when they return and, and have the ease of accessibility to food that, that we, in our gluttonous attitude, throw out as waste, but they can smell it. It doesn't matter if you wrap it in a plastic bag and you put a twist tie on it so the garbage man has an ease of collecting it. They can still smell it. And they're driven by hunger, what comes natural natural to them. And then you complain because they come and they turn your can over and dump your garbage. And somehow that's not your responsibility, that's their fault. And then you complain about it enough. And then somebody loses a cat or two or a little dog or two and because the animals ate them, they're on the food chain. And then you complain about that. So then you want the animals hunted down and killed and destroyed because of your arrogant push to attitude. Man and mammon is so arrogant. And we are told, Christ Jesus tells us, it comes before the fall. Further reading verse nine. In mine ears said the Lord of hosts, of a truth many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair without inhabitant. Do you go through city areas and see where the, I, I'm telling you right now, I when I go through this area, some of the areas in Fort Worth, Texas, I see this. These are beautiful buildings that could be remodeled, refit, redone for shelters and homes and apartments, but they have laid empty and barren for years. Some of them actually have stood for decades and nothing done. They just have boards in the glass. I've seen this old movie theater that was used to be a hub of a center for people and they would come to the movie house. It's been empty for decades. The building, the architecture is beautiful, but it's just been, been empty. And then there's a high school that's, that is one of the oldest structures in the city, actually has historical significance, but it's just boarded up. Nobody goes to school there. It's not used. It lays desolate and empty. And old buildings, they finally tore one down that was near one of the, one of the, one of the universities here, private college. And this was a beautiful, beautiful architecture, but they tore it down. They destroyed the building 
rather than refit or do anything to save the historical value of the fascia of this building, and they destroyed it. They pulled it down. Further, verse 10. Yea, 10 acres of vineyard shall yield one bath, and the seed of a homer shall yield an ephah. While that has to do with agriculture, and what, what uh, I can look these up specifically, but a bath and homer, I'm not, I, I'm pardon me, but I, I, I'm not really familiar. I probably should have found this out before sharing with you. I failed and failed you in that aspect, and I'm sorry about that. And uh, but it has to do with agriculture. And it has to do with a harvest size. Okay, so a bath, so a bath is approximately 22 liters or 5.35 gallons, Five, yeah, 5.75 gallons, sorry about that, I'm sorry. So 10 acres of vineyard shall yield one bath. Five and three quarters gallons. So now we're talking about Lego. So you got 10 acres of vineyard out there and that's all you're going to get out of 10 acres of the grapes. And then you have uh, a homer. I'm sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look this up so I, I keep you up on this. I do apologize. I should have done so beforehand and I apologize again for that but it has to do with the, what the point that the what the point that the prophet is is trying to get us to understand is that we are diminishing everything around us, And that these are these are measures for agricultural Wow. This is uh this is not good. This is not good. So what the, the point that I'm making with this prophet is that we do so much building and everything out here and we complain about that. <clears throat> so if you plant the seeds of a homer and you get back an ifa, and that's only about Uh, an 
<laughs> wow, that is so, that is so little. That's about, one bushel of grain for everything that's planted out there. And again, I apologize for the, uh, for the delay and, and I should have looked this stuff up and, and realizing that the prophets will speak to this. And I apologize again for my lack of preparation that should have found these things out before sharing. But, but the point being that, that, and, and I'm going to read through this again, just and continue to read through it. So woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, all till there be no place that they may, may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In mine ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth that many houses shall be desolate, every, every great and fair without inhabitant. Yea, ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath, and the seed of an homer shall yield an ephah. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, and they continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp on the violin, the tabor and the pipe, and wine are in their feasts, and they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. So this is the arrogance. They completely ignore the creation that's around them, and they decide that they're going to just get drunk. They get up in the morning, they start, and there are some like that. I'm an alcoholic, so I'm going to tell you right now that... Uh, I used to be that way. I've been dry for goodness gracious. I can't even recall the last time that I had any alcohol. I think I had a beer with my oldest child five years ago and haven't had any, I've had none since that time. None. And before I had that, it had been 25 years before I had anything, and I used to, I used to swim to the bottom of the bottle. I used to sit there and drink myself into oblivious stupor. And on days when I wasn't going to work, I would start drinking early in the morning, before a reasonable hour. What's a reasonable hour to a drunk? There is no reasonable hour to a drunk. When they want to drink, they drink. And I used to swim myself to the bottom of the bottle and just sit down there and suck all that booze down. And then I would hunt somebody down to try to, to beat me up, to punish me for what I believed people to tell me I did wrong while I was in the military and everything that I had done and I needed to be punished for it. Wow, was I such a silly person. But all that's gone. Why? Because the God who loves me who gave me repentance and forgave that sin and didn't wag his finger at me and condemn me for what I had done and still does not. He embraced me, he hugged me, and he loves me and he says, I do, I will. Come on, let's go. That same mantra that I tell you and share with you that we should say to him, I do believe that Jesus Christ is, my only begotten, is your only begotten son. I will have faith in you Holy Spirit, let's go. Guide my steps. Let's go. He tells me the same thing. 
I do. I will. Let's go. I do believe in you. You are my child. I love you. I will be with you wherever you go until the end of the age. I'll be with you always. And then you're going to come home and you're going to be an heir and a joint heir with Christ who came when I came to earth and walked around as one of you and was crucified. And my Holy Spirit will guide you. Let's go. He invites me into this. And with that invitation, he reminds me that he doesn't leave. And with all this thing that we're doing, and that's what I was thinking about. I mean, it was an entertaining film and it was good. And I like the actor and the actress that were portraying the lead parts. I like them. And I like the film. I recognize some other faces that were in there. And it was good CGI. But in all, in watching that, I was just thinking, and man, that's really too bad. But wow, look what we've done. And we don't believe the seismologists when they tell us things like this could happen. Oh, that's, that's baloney. We'll make it earthquake proof. And it, that's not going to happen. That'll never happen. Just like those people that build their homes and their farms and things down there and, and the low and the bottoms. When they do that because it's very fertile. When they have the overflow from the river and then they have the... Uh, Oh, now I forgot what the word is. But the leavings from the fish on it, it becomes very, very good soil. And the soil is very, very fertile. But then instead of going to put their fields there and to harvest from there and really nice crops, then they decide that they're going to live down there because they don't want to have to transport the machinery so they build it down there which they shouldn't do and then that cyclic thing that happens which if you pay attention to history and and things you know that it happens in a cycle then that flooding comes in and they they lose the home they lose their farm equipment and everything that they used to transport there to do their their harvesting now they've lost it all did that teach them anything no because they come back and they build in the very same place again because everything that they had they put into building it there where they shouldn't be and they lost it so the only way that they'll be able to have anything or to even be eat to break even as they call it is to build in the same place oh my goodness and the cycle continues so further reading in isaiah 5.11, woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, until, until the wine inflame them. They've been drinking all day long, and now they're dancing on the table or under the tables. And the harp and the vial, the tambourine and pipe and wine are in their feasts, that they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hand. So they disregard everything that we should be thinking about and only consider themselves. Now we're going to jump down to verse 20. Isaiah 5, 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and pre, <clears throat> excuse me, and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them 
that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the shaft, so their root shall be as rottenness and their blossom shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Because we have decided to turn away and just do our own thing and be about our own business, we have allowed our arrogance to overshadow everything that we should be doing. But here's the thing that we need to keep in mind. And it's really important that we pay attention to this. God never said, God never said that we can't be busy and that we shouldn't be and that we just don't do anything. But if we allow our busyness to run our lives and keep us from prayer and also filling our day planners so full that there's no time for Bible study, worship, prayer meetings, gathering with other members that are true believers, that you fill that up and then you have nothing and then complain to everyone else that will listen to you about having too much stuff to do and you've allowed your stuff to distract you from God. I shared this with you before. Saul did the very same thing. He almost missed his anointing to be king because he was caught up in his stuff. <clears throat> and the messenger that the pardon me, that the prophet sent to find him, found him, and came back and told Samuel, he said, I found I found him. Well, where is he? Um, he's in his stuff. Go get him. And bring him, and Saul basically came in a stupor, was kind of, what, 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 what's, and then he was anointed. This was, should have been a precursor. But he was, he, his heart was in God. He just got caught up in these things. And then as he went into being king, it became worse and worse and worse. And he allowed things of his his choosing and his design to become more important than God. And we allow these things to get into our way of what should be Christ-centered conversations and things that we do. And this is where I have an issue with those supposed self-help gurus that claim to be a Christian self-help guru but if they're talking about self-help and ignoring the precepts and the tenets of God that are taught in the Bible, and they're telling you to do it on your own, be strong on your own, you can do it on your own, that they are teaching contrary to the Bible because we should have Christ-centered conversations and activities. And God does not tell us not to be busy and he doesn't tell us, he made us as a creature that we are able to pre-plan. He made us that way. And he, it doesn't mean that we can't do that or that we shouldn't do that. 
And he, there's nowhere in the Bible that tells us not to do that. What the Bible does tell us about is not to allow that busyness to overshadow having a Christ-centered life and not to allow our daily planner to be so filled with garbage that you come home and you kick the cat, throw the dog in the yard, yell at the children, scream at the wife or your husband if you're the the, the breadwinner and the husband is a stay-at-home dad, which some people do. So then you don't come at enmity with the one that you're supposed to be going through life with and taking care of the children with and, and having a family with, that you're so caught up in all this stuff in your day planner that you pre-planned everything else out and you don't possibly have any room to go to Bible study prayer meetings uh, to even pray at home. And you don't pray over the meals anymore as you used to do as a family. And you don't read the Bible during the course of the day and your conversation in the house is not Christ-centered. But here's where it becomes sacrificial and where God really honors this. <clears throat> and God does indeed honor the fact that if you sacrifice in making time to take time, God honors that. And because God is love, and we are told God doesn't love us because it's the right thing to do. He loves us because God is love. And we can actually find that. I shared it with you, uh, I think, yesterday. where God, we are told by John in one of his several writings, actually in 1 John 4, Because God, where are we at? We're going to go down here to First John four fifteen. <clears throat> Pardon me. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in him, and he in God. There's that invitation to being in that prochoresis I shared with you, to be a part of that to be in and how Jesus declared that being in and of and with, and that you have these other theological wizards that say that that's not possible. It doesn't mean that they're teaching truth in scripture. It just means that they studied that theology. And then they try to declare and teach that it's not possible to that. Excuse me, I'm sorry. My Bible and my faith tells me it is entirely, and that's part of the mystery. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. 
Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. But remember, Christ tells us we're in this world, but we don't have to be of the world. So we don't have to do all that other that I was sharing about, and the strong drink in the morning and doing all that, and we don't have to be part of that. We might have to wander around in it, but we don't have to be of it. Further reading in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man says, I love God, and he hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he had seen, how can he love God whom he had not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And Christ tells us that. Remember, he was talking to the scribe. The scribe says in the first and he shared with him the first commandment. And then he told him that the second is like it. So we have to remember that in the midst of our daily lives and our daily walk, and in the midst of all those things that I shared with you before, don't be fearful. Remember, God knows that we're afraid. And what John is talking about here is fearfulness. Because the devil is fear. False evidence appearing real. And he tries to manifest that in our lives. And if you allow that to be the driving force and you ignore that we are to have a Christ-centered life and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and you forget that, then you're not going to Make time to take time and spend with God. You're going to bypass all of that. But in the midst of our daily life and all this stuff that we've got, all these things that we do and allow to take in possession, but that we teach our children in the way that they should go. Share the word, teach the word, And that God is very much relevant in our daily life. We have to we have to just make the effort. And God loves it when we make time to take time with Him. He honors that because He knows, God knows that it is sacrificial. It is. What you think that God just sits back and he doesn't pay attention to what goes on in our daily walk. Remember, God is always, always watching. Deuteronomy 6, 7. Thou shalt teach these words diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Share his truth share his knowledge, share his wisdom, share his love. And all these things that we do and all the things that go on are because the arrogance of man. <clears throat> Pardon me. Don't ignore God the Father who loves you and wants you to be heirs and joint heirs in the kingdom of heaven. And he wants you to be an ambassador for him. I like it. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers and my going out and my coming in every day, every day. Be blessed.